Hi, and welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us online and remind you to feel free to visit our website at seacoastvineyard.com anytime for up-to-date information on our local church here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. If you would like to give financially to this ministry, whether that's a one-time gift or a recurring monthly gift, simply click on the Give tab at our website and give however God leads you. Now, we want you to enjoy this message from God's Word. This morning in the books of Psalms, and uh, you guys have a playlist on your phone, on your iPod. You have like your favorite songs that you play. Uh, you know, like, what, it's iPod, iPhone, and there's some other inferior phones, I think, out there people use. Um, I happen to look up people's playlists, and so I, I looked at one of my favorite musicians, a guy called Sting, if you don't know who he is, um, and just to look to see what he was listening to, what's on his playlist. I mean, he was with the police back in the day, and uh, but but I think his music is just, wow, it's just gone I mean, he's just making some great music. But his number one song on his playlist is Sitting on the Dock of the Bay by Otis Redding. I went, yeah, there you go. I knew I liked you, Sting. I knew it. And uh, his second one is the song Hideaway, which I don't, I'm probably the only person in here who knows this. But John Mayall and the Blues Breakers, which is a great blues band, goes way back, like a lot of us. And then his third one was Rope Ladder to the Moon by Jack Bruce, the bass player. And just so you guys don't think I'm too, uh, you know, let's say, uh, picky with my playlist, Dale Earnhardt Jr., for you NASCAR fans, his playlist, his first song on his playlist is A Horse With No Name by a band from my era, America. But his second song is by Korn. <laughs> Quite an eclectic guy, I would say. Uh, right now and then still, Matthew Good band, <laughs> Strange Days. And so uh, that's Dale Earnhardt. And just for me to even digress further, Kenny Chesney, uh, to, to country music. This is a joke in the church with me, country music. Kenny Chesney's playlist, number one song. No Woman, No Cry, Bob Marley and the Wailers. Yeah, huh? pretty cool. Second song, Lucinda Williams, great. I like her too, Drunken Angel. And third, Sammy Hagar. I mean, Eagles Fly, really. Everybody has their playlist. Did you know that Israel even had their favorite playlist? It's called the Book of Psalms. Psalms means songs. And the whole 150 books that call, that make up uh, this beautiful centerpiece almost of the of the Bible are poems and songs that the children of Israel would learn to sing to one another. As you look through the, the book, you'll see strange words and you'll see maybe even instruments list, listed. There are words that we don't know what uh, exactly what they mean as far as how they sang the songs, but we believe that some of the words written in these poems and in these songs actually tell you what kind of meter they should have had or, you know, whether it should have been a blues song or should it have been like an up-tempo song? Was it a lament? What kind of style song should it be? And today we're jumping into an eight-week series where we're going to take a look at some of the hits out of the book of Psalms, and today's going to be our first one. I bet everybody in here at least knows a little bit of some song. What do you think? Which one do you think you know a little bit of? Everybody in here. 
the 23rd Psalm. Yep, you think you can say it? Think you can say it if I put it up on the screens? Can you do that? <laughs> you know part of it, don't you? Let's, let's say it together. Let, let's, let's do it. Here we go. Ready? The Lord. Sound good. Go ahead. my soul, guide thee in pathways of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for his rod leads me. The rod and your staff comfort me. Wow, doesn't that just, I mean, that does something to you when you read that or someone reads it to you. What is it about the Psalms that just quicken us? Or it's, it's like the environment, the atmosphere changes when we read it. It's, there's just something very special about these songs. The songs are all throughout the Bible, though. Moses was a songwriter. Miriam was a songwriter. There's songs, and we are a, you know, we're a, people of songs in our country and in the world. If, if you want to relate to someone, just start talking about music. Start talking about your favorite artist. Or, and all of a sudden, you will see people, you know, their eyes will light up and they'll want to play you the song that they like or the band they like. It's just something about music that God has given us. I really believe to, I even believe to liberate our chemicals in our bodies and brains so that we're a little bit more uh, we can learn the scripture better. We can sing them. We can put them down deep in our soul. Music is such a gift to us. Uh, when you two, now I wanted to get this clip for you guys this morning. When you two sang this Psalm 40, uh, you know, I don't know if you've ever been in one of your concerts or seen them, but the, the crowd will start singing Psalm 40 before Bono ever even starts. I mean, you know, they'll, they'll just start singing like, okay, that's the song we want. And as they start singing it, you know, he'll go into it. Or later on, you know, you'll hear him. He'll start quoting Psalms 116. And when he starts quoting that psalm especially, I don't, I, when he goes, what can I give back to God for the blessings he's poured out on me? I'll lift high the cup of salvation, a toast to God. I'll pray in the name of God. I'll complete what I promised God I'd do. And I'll do it together with his people. It's like the whole place just erupts into a worship service and then they go into where the streets have their name, you know, and and it's just a powerful thing because I believe the Psalms, they put us in touch with ourselves. There are songs of lament, there are songs of sorrow, there are songs of celebration, there are songs of confusion. What are you doing, God? Uh, There are songs of correction, songs of anger, you name it. There are some very personal expressions in the book of Psalms, most from David, I believe. It also helps us get in touch with our world because the problems that the psalmists face in here are the everyday world problems that we all face many times. And so it puts us in touch with the world, the Psalms do, and it puts us in touch with hope or the good news. That also is a theme that runs throughout these 150 books in, this, uh, in the Psalms. But most importantly of all, the Psalms put us in touch with God. 
And I think that's why when we read the 23rd Psalm or Bono reads, you know, or sings Psalms 40 or reads Psalm 116, we hear it, something begins to grab our heart is that there is just something about it, something very beautiful. So we're going to, we're going to jump into it this morning. We're going to start in Psalm 1 because it's the first psalm. Well, there's a man who has a firm grasp on the obvious, you're thinking. But uh, we're going to start there too because this is kind of a gateway. It does open up the rest of the psalms to us, kind of opening the door. So let's pray and we'll read Psalm 1 and jump into this. Father, thank you for your word this morning. I pray you breathe life on it. Help me, Lord. Uh, Give me the gift of teaching for the next few minutes. Uh, Bring the Psalms alive to us. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here in this place. Thank you for celebrating communion. We know, Jesus, you are here. And so we give you this next bit of time to come and lead us, teach us, change us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's read this. Psalm 1. It's not very long. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step or in counsel with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. A better word if you wanted to to write it in Psalms is where it goes, blessed is the one, is to write happy is the one. That's what it means. It means Happy. So I kind of called this how to be happy, happy, happy. That's, uh, you know, he's going to start off first and he's going to tell us what not to do in order to be happy. In other words, if you do these things, you are going to be miserable. If you want to be happy, don't do these things. And you've got a fill-in in your handout and you should have a pen there too. And if you want to track along with me, that'll be great. And your first fill-in is this from the first verse. Happy is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. That is, how to be miserable, walk, stand, or sit in the way of the wicked, sinners, or mockers. If you want to be miserable, walk, stand, sit in the way of these folks. I don't think true words have been said than this. A person's thinking shapes their life. Whatever we settle on, whatever we listen to, and whatever we think about can change our whole perspective of life. Years ago, they thought the brain was like a, a machine, that whatever you got is what you got. There was, I mean, you could pull a few you know, handles here and there and tweak a few dials and such, but pretty much of, you know, if you got stuck with a bad machine, you were just screwed. Sorry, you know, I, was, I mean, it's like, this is all I have. What can I do with it? You know, and now in the last 30, 40 years, though, they've realized that the brain is malleable, that it's plastic and that it, it can be trained and it gives and, and that even the chemicals in your brain as, as you teach it, as you talk to it, as you 
decide what you're going to do, it can begin to form the way you think and do life differently. I see that as an amazing gift from God. An amazing gift. And it gives all of us hope to know that whether I've struggled with some things my whole life, at least I can change a little. Maybe I can change my outlook of life by seeing some things switch. If I, if I think about what I want life to be like, if I think about what I believe, what I truly believe in, what I listen to, who I listen to, the conclusions I've made, all of that can have a bearing on how you see life and how you live life. And the psalmist here says, if you want to live life well and happy and not be miserable, one of the things you don't want to do is walk in step with the wicked or walk in counsel, in step. I thought about uh, being in a marching band. I was in band my whole life, and I hated the marching band. I mean, I loved music, but man, you know what? It, It was like we all looked alike. We all marched in the same, you know. And you couldn't go, man, I don't like this. You know, the band director would stand up straight, Holt, you know, throw those shoulders back. And you had to walk with every person. The line had to be just straight, walking in step. You went around the corner. You did it just right. Now, honestly, it was great. It was good discipline, and it taught me a lot. And uh, at the time, as a kid, I didn't like it, but uh, I can see where it benefited me. But if you think about being in step and lockstep with those who are feeding information to you and ideas and thoughts of life that aren't healthy for you spiritually, you don't want to go marching down the street with those people. Now, before I jump into all three of these, I want to say this, and you've heard, if you come to this church, you know this. This is not about separating yourself from people who don't know Jesus Christ because I have liberated and give you... You know, not that you need my permission, obviously, but I have said if you get an opportunity to go spend some time with a friend who doesn't know Christ on a Sunday and they want to spend some time with you, take the Sunday off and go spend the time with them. They need to be around people who love Christ. They need to have a friend. And so take the Sunday off and go play golf with them. Go surfing with them. You know, go to the beach. Go to the movies. Hang out. Be a friend. Don't go in there like a hard evangelist. Just be a friend. And let them see you. And so I'm not talking about us cutting off our associations with the people that uh, we love to be around and all. But when we are around certain people that affect how we think and we find ourselves walking, marching in step with some behaviors, some ways of thinking that are not godly and are not good for our spiritual life, then we need to step back and think about this a little bit. It could be maybe you're, you know, imagine having problems in a marriage. Uh, But imagine, you know, you're with your friend, husband or wife, the girls or the guys ask you to go out one night and you start talking because you talk with your friends and you're saying, well, things aren't going well at home. And and one of them goes, well, you know what? You you shouldn't even stay in that marriage. And you're going, well, that's not how I believe I'm going to. I'm going to work through it. Yeah, but no, no, you, you know, you shouldn't stay in that marriage. And the next week you go out and you hear it again. And you begin to realize that person doesn't have the same values that you have. But those friends, you love them. And suddenly you find yourself walking in step with them, turning the corners with them. And you're listening to this. And pretty soon, before you know it, you've gone down the road two blocks, three blocks. And you've walked away from where you started. I mean, I don't have to create an example for you, as you probably know. I know this. 
I know that if I get in lockstep with certain people with certain attitudes and certain beliefs, it can wear me down. It can begin to affect me. And listening to the counsel of the wrong people, the psalmist says, is not any way to be happy. It will make you miserable. And there's no lack of what the Bible calls wicked, wicked counsel out there when it comes to living this life. What does the word wicked mean? That's such a hard word, isn't it? Like, I don't know if I would ever call anybody but Hitler wicked, you know. But the Bible wicked here means that there is enough evidence in that person's life to convict them. That's what the word wicked means. It means that if you looked at that person's life whom you were marching with or getting counsel from and you saw enough of their life that was antithetical to your life, as being a Jesus follower, there would be enough evidence to convict them that they were not good counsel for you. That's the wicked he's talking about. And the psalmist says, watch marching in that group. Watch watch getting counsel from that group because that's not any way to have a happy life. And we have such a need to belong that uh, we sometimes stick around a little longer than we should in some conversations and all, don't we? It's like there's a moment for those of us who follow Jesus, we realize the conversation has strayed to a place where I really should probably get up and leave. But I love these people, and I like being around them, and I, I just think I'll stay a little longer, and then the next time, and the next time, and before you, leave, before you realize it, who's being influenced by who? Who's affecting who? And the psalmist says, look, to be happy, watch who you get your counsel from and who you're marching with. Then he says, or stand in the way of sinners. Stand. And we start out marching, and then all of a sudden we find out we're standing in this rut. We're standing in this long line with the people we've been marching with where it's so hard to get out of. We just can't climb out. There's someone behind us. There's someone in front of us. And um, we're at a place where it's even getting more difficult. Do you see this progression? We're like going, it's a digression. We're going down and down now. Is that we, we don't have, we can't break, break ranks. We're in uh, the ditch together. And who are these sinners? Uh, and this, the word sinner is like the fallibility of individuals who have an inclination to sin. Such persons have not just committed an isolated act of sin, but live lives dominated and shaped by their sinful inclinations. That's these sinners in this uh, psalm. If the wicked was a thief, then the sinner would be a career criminal. And so it's it's just starting to happen, and the psalmist is warning us. You know, standing is being a party to the ways. You begin to participate in what the group or whoever the council is. You've certainly become a part of it. And then he says, or sit in the company of mockers. And this is how we go down. You know, we march, we stand, and then we finally find ourselves sitting. Sitting next to mockers. And that's the bottom tier. When people become critical, negative, especially about faith, about God, begin to just harangue you and to put down what you at one time held very dear. Now you're wondering, is it really true? Is it, I mean, am I, 
I mean, this person, you know, and suddenly you find yourself falling into criticism of God, of the church, of life, or whatever, and, and you're pulled down and you're assimilated into the collective before you know it. Walk, stand, and sit. And this is no way to be happy, the psalmist says. It's, it begins with thinking, you know, with a mindset, then it goes to behaving, and then it ends up with belonging. Believing, behaving, and belonging. There's that digression that the psalmist is warning us about, to be careful. I can always tell when I'm being pulled in like that because my attitude gets stinky. I can, I'm already, you know, starting to criticize all the time. and rah, rah. You get like that? Am I the only one? that uh, you, Please tell me there's somebody else. I, I know I need help. and you know, Plasticity, Lord, I'm depending on it, please. And uh, change me. But you can find it. A lot of times that comes from who you're hanging out with, what you're listening to. But you started walking with them, you stood with them, and now you're sitting with them, and now the mocking attitude begins to be prevalent in your life. And how can you be happy and be a mocker? The, you guys know that I talk with some atheists regularly on Twitter, and um, 90% and I'm, of the ones I talk to are mockers. <laughs> I've got two or three guys that stick with me now, and, and they're, we talk all the time, and they're, they'll stray into mocking, and I'll call their hand on it. And I'll go, come on, we're going to have a conversation. Why are, you, why are you calling me an idiot for what I believe? Why are you calling every Christian a moron? Now, you're mocking it, and then putting up stupid pictures of Jesus and mocking him. Because they have fallen down to a place of mocking now. And it takes a lot to try to get them back out. And I don't want to get pulled down into that. So we keep talking and I keep kind of trying to not be mocking myself, you know, of someone who doesn't believe in God, but try to say, here's why I believe. And it's a good thing, I believe. But we can find ourselves in this digression. Remember Peter, the apostle Peter, when Jesus was arrested? And uh, over in Luke twenty-two fifty-four, it says, Then seizing him, speaking of Jesus, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. He walked. He's walking behind them. Then in John eighteen eighteen, we read, It was cold, and the servants and officials stood around the fire they had made to keep warm. Peter also was standing with them, warming himself. He was walking, now he's standing with them. Finally, in Luke twenty-two fifty-five, it says, But when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. Peter was not a happy camper when he was sitting at that with them. He started out following, walking, standing around, and he eventually sat down with them. And it wasn't a happy place. Sitting is like with people like this is going beyond a few sinful acts. It's sitting down and participating in it and suddenly finding yourself a part of it. Romans 12.2 says for us, for us Jesus followers, do not conform to the pattern of the world, of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Man, the Bible knew that the mind was plastic before the scientists found out 50 years ago. And the Bible by, knew you could renew your mind 
renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Don't be transformed. But, you know, be, don't be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So he says, don't walk that way, you know. Don't, don't walk, don't stand, don't sit if you want to be happy, if you want to be blessed. But he says, do this, though, if you want to be blessed. And this is your second fill-in. Delight in and meditate on his ways and word. Delight in and meditate on his ways and word. He says, but those but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. How often are you thankful to God for what he has done for you? How often do you recall uh, the work that Jesus has done on the cross for you, the price that he has paid? How, how, how many times a day do you delight in the goodness of God in your life? That's a part of training our mind. That changes us. That'll make us happy and delightful in God. But we have to be remembered. We have to remind ourselves of that because, you know, how many times do we say, Lord, thank you for putting the Spirit, the Holy Spirit in me as a compass and giving me this as a GPS? You know, how many days do we say, I'm glad you didn't leave me to myself, Lord. You know, if I had to create a life, I sure wouldn't mess it up because I, do, I don't do a great job by myself. So thank you that you have put the Holy Spirit in me, your presence in me, which is the power for me to be able to renew my mind. And thank you that you have given me a roadmap, a way to live this life. How many times do we go, Lord, thank you that in your roadmap, it says that I can love my wife like Christ loved the church. Some of you go, nobody can celebrate that. Yes, you can. Because where God says that, you can do that. You can do it. That's something to celebrate in. When the Bible says, forgive others as I have forgiven you, what he's doing is saying, here is a great gift to you to be happy. Because without me, you would not be able to forgive others. Lord, I thank you for the ability to forgive others who have hurt me, damaged me. I thank you, Lord, because without you and without your grace on my life from the cross, I would not be able to do this. So I delight myself in you in being able to forgive. Thank you, Lord. How many times a day do we do that? Take an inventory and say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for your provision. Thank you. Delight in it. Be happy in it. This word meditate, when he says that, I love this word. I I can't pronounce it, but uh, I'm not going to try a good southern boy here. Um, but here, here's, the, here's the meaning. I love this. When it says to meditate on his law day and night. And when it says law, it, it doesn't mean like harsh legalistic laws. The laws here are a general uh, kind of description of what God says is good for us. His love for us. His good laws. The good way to live life. Uh, but the meditate word, listen to this, is low voices murmuring or muttering as one reads scripture in a low undertone. I love that. Like you mumble to yourself the scriptures during the day. Another one is to ponder or reflect by talking to oneself. It's good to hear yourself thank God 
If you, when you're in your car, say it. I've got a, someone that's kind of a spiritual director, if you want to call it, somebody kind of mentoring me, helping me with spiritual disciplines. And one of my assignments when I came out of this last month of being off was that uh, she told me to, to recite certain things in the morning and certain things in the afternoon. And she said, hey, you know what? You, I want you to, if you have to go outside or lock yourself in a room, I want you to say it out loud where you can hear it. I want your ears to hear what you say about what God thinks about you. I want you to hear it. I want you to hear it. And do you hear yourself, what you're saying to God about him? It will change you. It'll, it'll chemicals get released and something happens spiritually and it's a wonderful way to delight in the Lord. Meditate on the Lord. Murmur, you know, the scripture, you know. Blessed are you, Lord. Blessed are you, Lord. When you look at the wailing wall, you know, you see those rabbis around the wailing wall and they're nodding and they're murmuring underneath their voices as they're praying their prayers and they're doing exactly this, meditating. And one of the other definitions, which is awesome, is careful, liberate attention to scriptures seeking God's guidance for life. So you look for something in the scripture because you're looking for guidance and you start saying it. You start thinking about it. You start saying it and you start thinking about it. And another one is, um, which is really cool too, is uh, careful, uh, where is it? To hatch a plot in low conversation with one's conspirators. It's like we can say that to each other. We can quote scripture to one another. You have friends that do that in your life? Suddenly they send you an email with a scripture. Or they walk up to you and they know you're going through something. And so they have a scripture and they come up and they whisper it to you. That's a conspirator to try to see that you get the joy of the Lord in your life. I mean, God has equipped us and given us such wonderful direction in how to live this life. Meditation um, is not like the TM stuff. I used to do that before I was a Christian. That was weird. And, uh, but this is, that yeah, was really weird, especially when you take LSD. But um, <laughs> that was a long ago. Um, and you wonder why I'm like I am. Uh, Richard Foster, Richard Foster, a wonderful writer uh, about the spirit of the disciplines, wrote this about meditating on God's word. He said, have you ever watched a cow chew its cud? This unassuming animal will fill its stomach with grass and other food. Then it settles down quietly and through a process of regurgitation, reworks what it has received, slowly moving its mouth in the process. In this way, it is able to fully assimilate what it has previously consumed, which is then transformed into rich, creamy milk. So it is with meditative prayer. The truth being meditated upon passes from the mouth into the mind, and down into the heart, where through quiet rumination, regurgitation, if you will, it produces in the person a loving, faith-filled response. That is meditating on the Scripture. What have we made that a part of our life? Just, what if you grab uh, Psalm 8? Next week we're going to talk about Psalm 8. Wonderful Psalm. What if you just grab that Psalm? And you just took the first part of it. Lord, oh Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. What if you just took that phrase, the first part? Oh Lord, oh Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And you just took that and every morning and every evening you meditated on it. 
He thought about it. I dare you. Even if you aren't a Jesus follower, I dare you. Let's do a test. This is good homework. You know, Take that and go home. And this week, I dare you and just see what happens. Just say, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And meditate on it all day long. And that psalm, Psalm 8, begins with that and it ends with that. And it's a wonderful psalm as we'll see next week. And the results of all of this is your last fill-in. The righteous will flourish and the wicked will destruct. The righteous will flourish. We see a picture in this of a tree. Like the righteous sink their roots down deep into the waters of renewal, into the relationship with God as they meditate, as they think, as they delight on the words of the Lord. And I believe part of that healthy root system is the church. You know, we come together as a church and we mutter to one another the words of the Lord. We encourage one another. We speak the word to one another. We help one another. And we, that helps us sink our roots down deep into the ground. And pretty soon, you know, we're growing up. Our, the limbs are going out. We have fruit on the trees. Other, others want to be around us now. Those that were dragging us down now are coming to you because you have something to offer, and you're happy about it. If you're going to hang out with people, you know, if you're going to be influenced by people, why don't you find somebody to be influenced by that's going to be good for you in your spiritual walk? We've got people in this church, uh, wonderful people in this church, whom I would like, man, these are the people you want to hang out with. And I mean, I know we've got quite a few here. And the two I'm just going to mention today are in here this morning, Claire Adair and uh, Chris and Susie Skinner and you know, Claire, who's been a part of this church for, gosh, a long time, right? Yeah. And I asked Claire, I said, Claire, give me a little synopsis of how faithful God has been to you and how you've traversed life and how you have found joy and delight in the Lord. And here's what she wrote me. Her husband, Alex, died uh, back a few years back. And she said, Alex and I had been through many hard times with health problems, Financial, moving 18 times, and then his quadruple bypass and carotid artery surgery. But through it all, God was always faithful. It was 22 days after his surgery that I came home from work and found him dead on our front porch. A tremendous peace came over me as I stood there, and to me it felt as though God's arms were around me as I took a few moments to pray. Two days after... I had a dream, and in that dream, God showed me a beautiful oak door closing. And I looked to my right in the dream, and I saw windows and French doors wide open with sunshine and a beautiful breeze blowing through. And I heard the words, Your old life is over, and I am giving you a new life. This is my belief that when we reach these moments in our lives, we need to recognize that God is in control, that this is an opportunity to begin again to find the new life, to accept the circumstances, and then to find and choose the joy in what God is showing you in the new circumstances. My favorite verse from Psalms for the years ahead is Psalm seventy-one, eighteen. So even to old age and gray hairs, O oh God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those to come. Now, there's someone I want to hang out with.
that's the kind of people who will encourage you, have a good word for you. And Chris is back, and Susie in the back of the room back here, and Chris has been, man, been such a, Chris, Susie has been such an inspiration to all of us. And I'm going to get Chris up here soon and have him tell you his story. When I asked Chris if I could throw his picture up on the screen, he says, you can say anything you want about me as long as it gets glory to Jesus. <laughs> And there he is talking to a university and, you know, Chris was a surfer and loved the outdoors. Do you think that his, that changed his fervor or kept him from doing what he loves to do? Take a look at this picture. There you go. Back out in the ocean, surfing again. Those are the people. People have faced things in life and have not fallen lockstep in with the negativity of this world but who still see Jesus Christ in every part of their life, who love him, who delight in him, who have a wonderful attitude and continue. I'm not saying we don't have our down times. I'm not painting a rosy picture for all, but understand, on top of it all, we have this delight. We have this satisfaction of knowing we are in his hands and we love him and we appreciate him. That is your invitation. If you haven't started this walk, what we're describing here, how to live this life, that invitation is to you today to make the same decision, to follow the same invitation, to come and follow the Christ of Chris and Susie and Claire and many more of us here. Let's pray. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast from Seacoast Vineyard Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We look forward to you joining us next time on iTunes or at our website, www.seacoastvineyard.com.